MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Sports Betting Network. Coming to you from the Circa Sportsbook here in downtown Las Vegas, I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Hit us all up on the network at VSIN Live. Surprise, surprise, the New York Yankees lost again. The Tampa Bay Rays defeating the Yankees 3-1. to The Yankees did snap their scoreless streak at 22 consecutive innings without a run. However, it was an unearned run as the Yankees were able to score in the fifth inning courtesy of an error. So actually, no, I think it was counted as an earned run, although it was an error that actually helped them in the inning along. The Yankees in the fifth inning uh, were able to, you know, get a runner on base um, thanks to a Andrew Benintendi triple. And then Benintendi scored on the error. It was a throwing, a fielding error by the third baseman, Yandy Diaz. So uh, the run scored, Yankees get in and snap their scoreless streak, but the losing skid continues. They drop another game. They're now 8-17 and 17 since the All-Star break. And it has been one loss after another that has led the Yankees to the point where they are the third worst team in baseball since the All-Star break. There are only two teams in Major League Baseball that have a worse record than the Bronx Bombers since the All-Star break, and that's the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Detroit Tigers. I mean, let that sink in. They have lost their last six games. You want to talk about how bad their offense has been. They have lost their last six games in which their pitcher has thrown a quality start. Now, what is a quality start? Quality start, you get the six innings, you get less than three runs. So Cole, Cortez, Herman, Tyone, Cole, and Cortez. Six straight quality starts, six straight losses. The uh, Yankees' longest streak since 1979. In their last seven games, the Yankees have nine runs 
scored. It's the first time in franchise history that the Yankees have had any seven-game stretch with nine runs or fewer and 35 hits or fewer. Yankees are in a freefall. And you have to start to ask the question. One, how concerned are you? Two, how come the odds haven't changed? I mean, they have slightly. But if you look around, the Yankees are still the third favorite to win the World Series. Yes, they have moved behind the Houston Astros, but the number prior to the All-Star break was, you know, floating around uh, plus 400. Now they're plus 450. That's not exactly a massive jump in the odds, despite the fact that they are 8 and 17 since that break happened. The line only moved 50 cents. The Astros go to plus 425. And right now, the one thing that I'm thinking about from a Yankee perspective is the fact that they are three games back of the Astros for the number one record in the American League. And that's important because... When it comes time for the ALCS, home field advantage. Also, the number one seed will play the winner of the two wild card teams as opposed to the number two seed playing the winner of a division, the division winner, the central, and wild card. Now, I don't know if which side is better. And to be honest with you, it might be a situation where the team that is the two seed has the better matchup in the second round. You see, let's play this out. If the season ended today, the Cleveland Guardians would win the American League Central. Now, they're only one game up on the Twins and one game up on the White Sox, so anything can change. But let's just specifically talk about right now today. If the season ended today, the Guardians are winners of the Central. They would face off against the Toronto Blue Jays in the wild card series. That wild card series, um, there's no more wild card game. So you'll have a, uh, in the home ballpark of the higher seed, And the games will take place in a three-day window so that the division winners with the buys don't have to wait around what's going to happen there. So that's that's where you got. Wild card, quick little series. All right. It's going to be the Blue Jays, and it's going to be the Guardians. Best of three, all in Cleveland. The two top wild card teams right now would be Seattle and Tampa. They would also play each other in Seattle, two out of three. The winner of Seattle-Tampa would then go and play 
against the Houston Astros. And the winner of the Guardians Blue Jays would play against the Yankees. So just looking at this right now, Tampa going into Houston, let's say, or Seattle going into Houston versus Cleveland going into New York or the Blue Jays going into New York. Honestly, I think that's better for the Yankees. I don't think the Yankees want to face the Rays. I don't think the Yankees want to face Seattle either. But either way, the Yankees are going to be favored over whoever they face. But I just think it's interesting when you look at how this is going to play out and what if it winds up being the White Sox that win the division? If it's the Twins, well, the Yankees definitely want to be the two seed because the Yankees absolutely own the Twins in the postseason. So if they have an opportunity to play the Twins, please, the, the Yankees will lose on purpose just to make sure they play the Twins. But what if it's the White Sox? Now I think maybe you want to avoid that situation. Let's say it's White Sox, Blue Jays, and the winner plays the two seed. Well, you'd rather be the one seed to avoid, you know, especially a White Sox team that's getting hot. White Sox just beat the Astros today in a battle of Cy Young favorites. White Sox have won five straight games, seven of their last ten. But the Yankees, three games back of Houston for the first number one seed in the American League. So when it comes to the ALCS, and let's just answer this objectively right here. ALCS is in Houston. Game one, Justin Verlander against Garrett Cole. Both lineups are healthy. Houston is a favorite in that game. Game two, also in Houston, Yankees will send Nestor Cortez to the hill. Astros will send Framber Valdez. Astros will be favored in that game. Game three in the Bronx, Frankie Montas against Christian Javier. Probably go with the Yankees as a slight favorite. Game four, Luis Garcia against either Jamison Tyone or Luis Severino. Let's say it's uh, Tyone. Maybe that's a coin flip game. But then it resets again, and it's Verlander and Valdez. Astros are favored in that series. And I would pick the Astros to win that series. Unless the Yankees got to get healthy. They got to get LeMahieu back. They got to get Giancarlo Stanton back. They got to get Harrison Bader finally in this lineup. And then we can see what the Yankees look like at full strength. Because we haven't seen it yet. I'm still baffled at the fact that this team traded away Jordan Montgomery. A viable piece of their rotation. Severino's still not going to be back for another month. So I don't even know what they're going to get from that guy when he comes back. I'm not saying it's time to panic, and everyone's really, really nervous about this. It's a long season, 162 games. You're going to go through highs and lows. The Yankees built up themselves such a lead that they could go 8-17. and 17. They can go 2-13. and 11 in their last 13 games 
and still have a nine-game lead in the division. But all it takes is for one of these teams to do what like the Braves did earlier this season and win 12, 13, 14 straight games. And the Yankees leading the division will dwindle down from nine to eight to seven to six unless they turn this thing around. And then it'll be time to panic in what could be the most epic collapse we've ever seen. I don't think it gets there, though. Let's talk more about Major League Baseball, some other topics with our very own Dave Ross. Coming up next, I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VEASAN. Here are... If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. The VSIN College Football Guide is out now, and our NFL Guide drops next week. Our experts provide profiles of every team with team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Remember, the only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VSIN All Access subscriber. Sign up on our discounted football special and get access to everything we do from now through the Super Bowl for only $175 or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to vcin.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead here on vcin, the Sports Betting Network, joined now by our very own Dave Ross. You catch him all across the network here, as well as the host of First Strike, our MMA podcast. First Strike, First Look is available now, and the full episode of First Strike will be available later on this week as we get ready for UFC action coming up this weekend. Kamaru Usman, Dave, ah. is going to take on Leon Edwards. He's a massive favorite, minus 390. But this is a fun little card we got here. 
It is. And Scotty, uh, first of all, it's always great to be with you on a Tuesday night. I'm so pumped up for this one. Thanks for the plug. Uh, first Strike, First Look is out right now. Me and Lou Finicaro uh, started breaking down this card. And what we try to do, it's what you do every night, Scotty, and you do a great job of it. You're trying to find that value early. And certainly here, as we have three, four days before we get to First Strike on Friday and then the, the big card on Saturday, find those line moves and be anticipatory of where you think the lines are going to go. I will tell you this. I think the general public is going to keep betting up Kamaru Usman, and yep. for very good reason. I mean, this is – he's the Nigerian nightmare. He is – I think right now, I don't know who else you can really make a claim for pound for pound as a better, better fighter, as a champion in the UFC. Maybe Alexander Volkanovsky at 145 pounds. But for me, it's Usman right now, and it's just so hard. Go ahead and pick your poison with them. Clearly, Rocky Edwards does not want to wrestle – with Kamaru Usman in this fight, his only pathway to victory, he's a bigger guy. He's taller, he's leaner. He's got to use that reach advantage against Kamaru Usman. But we've seen other guys, Scotty, in there with Usman that are bigger. And the problem is those double leg takedowns, man. They come in a hurry. And if Usman can control you with his wrestling, with his grappling, and get Edwards up against the, the cage and potentially get those takedowns, that's where he's just, you're in a different world once that happens for him. And then we saw the knockout power against a guy like Jorge Masvidal, which nobody did that to Masvidal. And it was Usman with the right hand. Why? Because Masvidal was looking for the wrestling, worried about the takedown defense. So Usman gets you thinking so much in there that you're almost now, you're, you're just reactive and you're always waiting because you don't know what Usman's going to do next. So I think for Edwards here, this is going to be the difference. If you go back to their first fight a long time ago now, about seven years ago now, and you look at that fight closely, Edwards was not as big, not as filled out as he is now, and he got controlled by Usman, right? So he knows I have no pathway to victory on the ground with Kamaru Usman. I've got to figure a way, much better takedown defense. And by the way, Rocky Edwards, Leon Edwards, has not lost since that fight to Kamaru Usman. So this is going to be the best. Uh, Edwards that Kamal Usman uh, Usman's going to face. Here's my one concern as the line inflates here as the week goes on. At some point, we saw it with Amanda Nunes, too, against Juliana Pena. And, of course, she went back and got her crown back. But at some point, you just get father time is undefeated. And I wonder now with the younger fighter and, and Leon Edwards and the best version of him, i got to be honest with you, I think it, this is going to be a long fight. I know it's four and a half rounds is what the, the total is, used to the over. I do think Edwards has got a chance to take this into the championship rounds and use those hands, and it only takes one. But with Usman, it feels like it takes more than one because his chin is made of granite as well. It's such a hard out, but I, I think it's mispriced a little bit. But to me, who's going to win the fight? At the end of the day, I still see Usman and still come Saturday night. Jose Aldo, Dave, has won three straight, but he's going up against the guy who, uh, mm -hmm. to me, looks pretty uh, intimidating. He's also a little bit younger yeah. and um, maybe a little more fit. Uh, what's your yeah. take on this fight and Jose Aldo's chance here? Well, here's the thing with Marab Dilashvili. This is wrestler extraordinaire, right? So, again, kind of what we're talking about a little bit with Usman. Now, Usman's got the hands that we just mentioned. Marab doesn't have that yet as a well-rounded mixed martial artist. He's getting there. But when you're going up against the King of Rio and Jose Aldo, you better be able to get, get the takedowns because I think this is why you're looking at the, the numbers here. Now, they move 
Aldo was the small favorite when this fight came out. And in the last couple of weeks, it's moved to Marab Dilashvili here being about a minus dollar 25 favorite here. And I do think that's going to go up uh, as we get closer and closer to Saturday. It will be that simple, Scott. It's going to be if Dilashvili gets this fight down to the ground, kind of like Kamaru Usman, he could really control Rocky Edwards there. He could do the same to Jose Aldo. But if Aldo, I, I got to tell you, man, it, it's so wild watching the all-time greats. And this is one of the best featherweights we've ever seen. And now he drops down to 135 pounds. And he's been in every single, he didn't want them all, but he's been in every single fight that he's had at 135 pounds. So can Marab Dilashvili really be that guy at 135 that just controls him for three rounds? I don't know. I, I think this is going to be a dangerous fight here for, uh, for, for uh, Marab here. And I, I'm going to play the over in this one. And that he's not going to be able, I don't believe, to get a stoppage of Jose Aldo early in this one. I think this one might go all three rounds as well and get to the judges' scorecards. And if that happens, Scott, as we've seen, man, you know who the fans are going to be rooting for. They're rooting for Jose Aldo. And sometimes (laughs) those judges can feel it as well. All right, Dave, let's talk a little Major League Baseball. How concerned are you about your New York Mets have dropped two (laughs) straight now to the Braves and the lead in the NL East is three and a half games? Okay, so I'm doing the show today with Wes, Wes Reynolds, and we got uh, Will Hill, the king of New York, as I like to call him. He was in studio today, in from New York. And I said, is it time to panic? And they're like, not yet. But we kind of felt like this was going to go the way of the Braves today. They get the shutout, and now that's three and a half, as you mentioned. It's, it's really about the next two days. I'm still calm right now, Scott, but if you go through Scherzer and DeGrom, and all of a sudden you can't get one of those two, if you're the Metropolitans, that's where trouble could really be a brewing here. So you'd love to get it tomorrow with Shurs. And if you don't, you really better get it with DeGrom, who, by the way, how about the rust of him in the last month? I mean, he looks like he's right back to being the best pitcher in baseball. If the Mets can get one of those two, I really think it puts the Heisman Trophy stalemate and kind of that stiff arm on the oncoming train that is the Braves. But, oh, my goodness, if the Braves get the next two, it is game on in the final month of the regular season. The Mets have lost three straight games just one time this season. Oh. Just one time this season. Oh. And that was, they lost, they, they lost the final game of a series to Miami on June 26th. And then they lost back-to-back games to the Houston Astros. That is the only time this year that they have lost three straight games. Max Scherzer's on the hill. It's minus 150. By the time this gets the first pitch on Wednesday, it'll be minus 190. Uh, I'm going to hammer Scherzer and the Mets. I think it's the right side. It's because the Mets have stoppers everywhere. When, when you got Scherzer, DeGrom, and Bassett, and boy, how great has Chris Bassett been as the one, two, three punch for that rotation for the Metropolitans. That's how you avoid long losing streaks. So the, the lack of hitting does concern me. Look, the Braves are a really good baseball team. We know it, reigning defending champions and all that. But when you got a guy like Acuna, who was not really a part of it, Last year, certainly down the stretch and into the postseason with his injury, you know, they've got some guys trying to win it really for the first time, even though they have rings. So they're, they're going to be a really tough out the next two days. But if things go south tomorrow with Shures, then the panic button might set in a little bit. But I'm with you. I think the Mets will bounce back tomorrow. And I think Shures is just, I mean, they, that's why they got him. That's why they paid the 37-year-old all this money, and he's worth every penny of it. Uh, are the Braves uh... – in your mind, legit uh, to bounce to to go back to the World Series. Like if you're looking at the National League, and it's Dodgers, Mets, and Braves. Like how worried should 
the, the, the Mets and the Dodgers be about the Braves in the postseason? I think they should be worried because there is that, you know, you do get that pedigree in there, and then you add Acuna to the mix again coming back. Uh, and when he's right, he's, obviously we know how great Acuna can be. You know, there's such a weird team because I look at the rotation, the top of the rotation, I go, well, they don't have what the Mets have. And then you look at the Dodgers, and Clayton Kershaw goes down here right before you get to the postseason. I know the Dodgers are hoping he's going to be back up and ready. That's a big question mark. I'm still confident as the Mets because I know they have the pitching at one, two, three to battle anybody. But, you know, for the Braves, if they don't win the division, you got to win that wild card to get in. If they get in, they're going to be a tough out. I mean, that's the team that if I'm a Mets or a Dodgers fan, you just hope somehow they don't survive the wild card round and you keep Met at arms bay and, and you're, if you're a Mets or Dodgers fan, get me to a longer se- series where I've got the pitching advantage here and can really stretch it out mm-hmm. so it doesn't have to be a shorter uh, and, and worry about you know the wild card scenario. Let's talk a little football coming up next, Dave. He's Dave Ross. You check him out on Twitter at DRossSports. First Strike, First Look is available right now on vcin.com slash podcasts. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on vcin, the sports betting network. Today. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of the look ahead is presented by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, the simpler way to experience nicotine satisfaction and enjoy lasting change on your terms. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke free and spit free satisfaction. I don't know about you, but there have been times in life where I needed to make a change, but I wasn't ready yet. I'm sure a lot of smokers and dippers out there can relate. Zinn understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little different. Everyone's on their own journey. So whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step towards change, Zinn will be there for you with the right strength, the right flavor at the right time. If you're thinking about making a change and want to learn more today, check out Zinn Nicotine Pouches at Zinn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. Warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network, rejoined by our very own Dave Ross. Hit him up on Twitter at DRossSports. And Dave, let's get into some football. Preseason overs so far, 14 and 4. What's your take on all the overs we saw here in week one of the NFL preseason? Well, you know, they're doing the point of emphasis now. And so what they do a lot of times, certainly in the preseason, they'll do it more than I hope they do it in the regular season, in that they're going to give those illegal contact. And they say, well, it's just five yards. But the problem with that is those are automatic first downs. And those are way up so far in week one of the preseason. So those have been elongating some drives that might otherwise have ended in punts. And then you are seeing these quarterback battles. Like you look at the Steelers and the Seahawks game, from last week, and I know Drew Locke now has uh, COVID-19, so he won't be able to play in this week's game, but last week with Locke and Geno Smith and then the three-headed monster in Pittsburgh, I mean, those were five quarterbacks out there that could potentially be starters, right? So, like, you actually saw their whole – they're laying all their cards out on the table here and flipping them over and showing you their offenses, and these are the guys we have to choose between. So that was a natural one to go way over the total as it did – uh, last week in that game. 
you know, the, the lowest, the highest total last week in the preseason, in week number one, and going back to Canton in the, in the Hall of Fame game, the highest total was 38 and a half. And that was the Raiders and the Vikings game, the last game of week one, after we saw those totals going over. And that game went over with 46 combined points. The lowest total this week is 37 and a half. So you've seen that the books have adjusted immediately. We're seeing four and five point bumps from where they traditionally would be in week two of a preseason. Normally they'd be down around 33, 34. And now again, we're starting off here. The floor is right around 38. I see, I see 237 and a half out there. A lot of games over 40. Well, I'd be a little bit dangerous of that for, for, for the betters to follow that trend now that the books have adjusted and the numbers have gone up. I, I would be very cautious this week. I'm betting a lot of the overs because we did see a lot of these teams show their cards, play their, play some of the key players. You know, Patrick Mahomes played one series against the, the Bears and you know, he got his touchdown, got out of there. I don't know how much after, say, a Zach Wilson injury in New York, teams are really going to put their better quarterbacks out there. Uh, as we get deeper and deeper here in week two and week three of the preseason, I got to think that there's going to be a little bit of a, a, a reduction to the mean here coming in week two of the preseason. I would not be riding that trend coming forward for this week. I've already played two unders already for week two of the yep. preseason. So uh, I firmly believe that the numbers that are being posted now are a little bit of an overreaction. And yes. I'll tell you what, the fact that teams around the league are having joint practices this week, I think mm-hmm. it's going to lead to the starters playing less in these preseason games because Absolutely. the coaches have already gotten a look at the starters in live situations all throughout the week in these joint practices. So you look around the league, and I got a list here of all the teams that are having joint practices and what the um, you know what the totals are. So we see Patriots-Panthers, they have a joint practice. Right. Their total is at 41. Saints-Packers, 39.5. 49ers-Vikings, 40. Lions-Colts, 42.5. Chargers-Cowboys, 37.5. Bucks-Titans, 38.5. Eagles-Browns, 37.5. Falcons-Jets, 39.5. All those teams, I don't think we see starters play really, at, you know, maybe not at all, but I think very little because these coaches have already seen enough throughout these joint practices. Absolutely, and from week one, and now the joint practices this week, there's no reason to run them out there now in preseason week number two. You mentioned the Cowboys, and I did because I have no life. I watched a lot of that preseason week number one with Cooper Rush and, and Danuch getting in there with no Dak Prescott, and it looks like you're going to see a lot more of that. That was one of the games that did go under last week against the Broncos, and I would play the under again in the Cowboys here this week just because, again, very vanilla not running Dak Prescott out there. You don't want any, you know, Cowboys are going into the season, uh, wounded warriors on the offense anyway, uh, without Gallup doesn't, we don't know when he's going to be back, maybe halfway through the regular season. So why would you risk a CD lamb? Why would you risk, you know, Dalton Schultz? Why would you risk, uh, you know, Tony Pollard, any of those guys getting hurt, uh, as you get closer and closer to week one of the Buccaneers, I'm with you to me. This feels like they're going to start to pull back. Uh, some of the stuff you saw in week one of the preseason, I think it gets back to what we anticipated uh, for the preseason going forward. Any uh, change in your opinion on either quarterback battles or maybe some something in the prop market or futures market here going into the season just based off of week one you know, of the preseason? 
You know, I, I looked up at it at today and I saw rookie of the year and the shortest favorite on the board right now is Kenny Pickett yep. at eight to one. And after Kenny Pickett, it's a bunch of wide receivers, one running back in there and Brees Hall with the Jets. And I go, I don't know that I'm going to play Pickett because, you know, Mike Tomlin is, a, Mike Tomlin is one of those coaches that I believe what he says, right? I covered Mike Shanahan in DC and Mike would tell us, I'm not going to tell you guys the truth. And he did that when Robert Griffin III was a rookie. Yeah, he's going to play, he's going to play. Never played in the preseason, then shock and all in week one, and the rest of the league finally found out what Mike Shanahan was going to do. I think that Mike Tomlin is going to end up going with Mitchell Trubisky, barring something crazy here in the next two weeks or what he's seeing there, as you mentioned, in those head-to-heads with other teams. i got to think it's Trubisky first. So I don't know that I would play Kenny Pickett as the favorite 8 to one because if Trubisky can keep this team around 500, the defense is still pretty good. I'd be really surprised if he makes a change early in the year that would give the volume for a guy like Kenny Pickett to me to be the favorite. I think that's a little bit mispriced there. I don't think you're getting the best of the number. If I knew he was going to start, I would play it. But I don't think you're going to see Kenny Pickett till middle of the season at best. It's so tough because if he does play and does start, he's the obvious favorite. But you can't right. bet on a guy until you know he's going to play which is why you're better off going with, you know, even like a George Pickens who really balled Mm -hmm. out in his first preseason game because at least you know he's going to play. A guy like Brees Hall, you know he's going to play. So those are the safer bets because at least you're – nothing's guaranteed, but you know they're going to get the opportunities. After barring injury, exactly right. That's why I look at the receiver core – you mentioned George Pickens, and I'll tell you this, Brian McFadden, uh, two-time Super Bowl champion of the Steelers, he texted me a couple weeks ago and said, this guy is the truth. And I was playing, I played his under prop 37 and a half for the NFL draft, and I lost that. I couldn't believe how late he went after those seven first-rounders went with a wide receiving court. He might end up being the best of the bunch. The Steelers do this so well in the draft, traditionally. Getting these guys a little bit later, uh, off the board, George Pickens might be the best of the bunch. He is turning heads, Scott, every day in training camp. All right. Normally, I don't play prop overs because prop overs are a bad losing proposition, right? All it takes is one injury, mm-hmm. and you lose your prop bet. But the one that I really am starting to like, and it has nothing to do with hard knocks, but DeAndre, <laughs> DeAndre Swift over six and a half <laughs> touchdowns. This kid is the best running back that no one talks about in the NFL. And if he stays healthy, which is a big if, because he's only played 13 games in both his first two seasons in the league. But if he plays 16 or even 17 games this year, I don't see any way he doesn't have more than seven rushing touchdowns. Love the kid. Love the team. Love Dan Campbell. Biting kneecaps. What I hate is that they're hard, on hard knocks. And they get the hard knocks bump. Yep. And I think prices get inflated because of it. I think the public watches it. They all fall in love with them, too. Of course. The HBO does a good job. They do a great job. And your secret weapon of DeAndre Swift now and that prop total, everybody's going to be watching going, man, this team's better than people think. Yes. It happens every year. The team on hard knocks gets the bump. Uh, but listen, the books are always right because at the end of the year, their win total gets inflated uh, on the open yeah. uh, from the opener just based off people betting them from hard knocks. But then their win total at the end of the year is closer to what the book had it as opposed to what it got bet up to. So I think the Lions. I gotta say this. 
Yep. Well, I'll say this too, Scott. Week one, Lions at home against the Eagles. Everybody loves the Eagles. Boy, I'm really starting to love that number. It's down to three and a half. If you can get a four out there, I saw some four and a halfs earlier. I would think that's going to be in play. After they got wiped out by the Eagles last year, I think Dan mm. Campbell, Lions, week one at home. They may be a very dangerous out in week one against Philadelphia. Okay. We'll take a look at that. Dave, appreciate the time <laughs> and the conversation as always. Love it, Scotty. Talk to you soon, bro. There he is, Dave Ross. Check him out on Twitter at DRoss Sports and make sure to download First Strike available on vcin.com slash podcast. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is The Look Ahead. vcin.com today. This is The Look Ahead on vcin, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are city casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, L.A., New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Joey Gallo homered again for the Dodgers as it uh, looks like the curse of Joey Gallo has been haunting the New York Yankees. Um, it's crazy. It's like ever since the Yankees traded Joey Gallo, they've hit seven home runs as a team, I believe, and Joey Gallo has hit six home runs individually for the Dodgers. That's what's been uh, happening here. So Dodgers win against the Brewers. In a game, in 11 innings, by the way. Oh, excuse me. Brewers beat the Dodgers in 11 innings. Craig Kimbrell picked up the loss. And this game, it was historic because it was just the sixth time in the last three seasons that the Dodgers were an underdog. Since 2020, 
coming into tonight, the Dodgers had played 366 games, and only five times they were an underdog. They went two and three in those five games. This season, they were an underdog twice, and they were one and one in those games. The pitchers that they've faced as an underdog in those five games, they're all aces. You've heard of them before. I mean, you Darvish in San Diego, and, and all the games on the road, by the way. You Darvish, Joe Musgrove, uh, Aaron Nola in, in Philly, I believe, uh, Max Freed, a game in, um, a game in uh, uh, Atlanta. So they, they, he's been, they've been dogs to top-tier pitchers. Well, Brandon Woodruff was the pitcher that got the start here for the Brewers. And at home, he's been incredible. He's been great, 5-0. and He's practically unhittable. And uh, in talking about this game, I felt that the first five was the way to go backing the Brewers. Looking at this, this number and seeing how it could be one of those situations, and this happens all the time, where you trust the guys making the line. Brewers were a small favorite. And the Dodgers being the best team in the world, the public team, everybody knows how good they are. You would expect all the money to come in on the Dodgers. The public hammering the Dodgers. Joe Public, as they say, all over the Dodgers. And looking at the betting splits, that's pretty much what happened. It was like 65% of the money and the tickets all going in on the Dodgers. Everyone rushing in to bet the Dodgers as an underdog. But yet the line didn't move. The Dodgers didn't become the favorite in this game. The Brewers were a small favorite. And to me, it just seemed like one of those situations where you're like, you know what? uh, They know what they're doing. Let's trust this line. Brewers are the right side. But I wanted no part of the Brewers for the full game. I only wanted Brewers in the first five innings. My thought process was, the, line, the game is priced this way because of the starting pitching. Because it's Brandon Woodruff against Ryan Pepia. And Woodruff has been unhittable at home. The rookie, Pepio, just, you know, been okay. But I did not want to give the Dodger lineup multiple chances to beat me. And I felt that in the first five innings, it was the best way to approach this game. Because you can just rely on Woodruff to get through the lineup maybe two times. And the Brewers could have a lead after five innings. Brewers had a 2-0 lead after the first inning. Willie Adamas with the home run. Brandon Woodruff throws four scoreless innings. Gets to the fifth inning. Top of the fifth inning. Gives up a solo home run to Joey Gallo. And then a solo home run to Mookie Betts. It's now 2-2. At worst, you're going to get a push here on the first five. But Kristen Yelich with a home run in the bottom of the fifth, the Brewers cash the first five. And then the Dodgers tied it in the seventh on a Chris Taylor home run. The Dodgers take the lead in the 11th after uh, Taylor made an incredible play in center field on McCutcheon uh, er earlier in the game. And then... The Brewers were able to score and win the game in the bottom of the 11th off 
of Craig Kimbrell. And you have to be a little bit concerned as we talk about, oh, the Yankees, you got to be concerned about the Yankees. You got to be concerned about the Dodgers because Craig Kimbrell is a real liability in the ninth inning. Kimbrell's got 20 saves this season. 20 saves. He is also has a win-loss record of 3-5. and five. And he has blown four saves. He's got a 4-5-7 ERA. This is after last season in 24 games with the, the White Sox, a 5.09 ERA. That's after 39 games with the Cubs where he was pretty much lights out. But 4-5-7, a 1-5-5 whip in 41 and a third innings pitched this year. Craig Kimbrell has allowed 46 hits. More than a hit per inning for a closer? That's not good. And how confident can any Dodger fan or Dodger player be if you have to rely on Craig Kimbrell? Now, it hasn't gotten blown up because the Dodgers are winning so many games by multiple runs, right? I mean, we talk about them on the run line. I mean, the record is absolutely incredible. And I'll read you the the numbers again here. The Dodgers, as a run line favorite, so when they are minus a run and a half, they're 79-33 and this season. So they have won 79 games by two or more runs. So it's not like they're getting down to the the top of the ninth inning or the bottom of the ninth inning or whatever, and it's a one-run game, and Craig Kimball's got to come in, and he's got to shut him down. Now, he has four blown saves this year, but if the Dodgers were playing more close games, I think this would be a bigger story. And I think the Dodgers' success is kind of masking how poorly Craig Kimbrell has pitched in the high leverage role. And so I think that's a big issue for the Dodgers moving forward. And I think that maybe you could possibly look at that as a way to, and I don't know if you want to live bet against the Dodgers, but you could have made a ton of money here tonight if you did it. If you live bet the the Brewers, at some point in the ninth inning, I'm going to pull this up right now here. Or excuse me, in the 11th inning. So in the 11th inning, well, oh, I don't have the money line here. But there was crazy, you could have gotten crazy pricing in-game on the Milwaukee Brewers when they were losing with Craig Kimball on the mound. And in the postseason, this could be something to pay attention to. You know, NLDS against uh, the Phillies or something. You know, like a wild card team, you know, that wins the wild card game and then goes on or against the Braves or whatever. Dodgers, Braves, NLDS, Dodgers up 5-4, top of the ninth inning, Craig Kimbrell on the mound, 
I'll live bet the Braves. You know, I'm not. I don't. I'm not comfortable with what I'm seeing from Kimbrel, and I don't think Dodgers fans or Dodgers players or their front office or whatever should be comfortable with what you have seen from Craig Kimbrell at all this season. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, going to get back into football because uh, we got news coming from New York regarding both quarterbacks for the Jets and the Giants. Uh, Jets getting some good news on their quarterback, possibly, and the Giants making an interesting practice move that may or may not tell us something about what's going to happen for them coming up this season. Plus, about 15 or so minutes from now, we will have another football roundtable discussion. It's all coming up here on The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.